pointing the way towards freedom in an unfree world. Welcome to The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. Welcome to The Liberty Effect. Uh, this is your host, Ammon Bundy. I'm grateful to be with you. Uh, the weather's chilly. In fact, I came in the office this morning, hadn't been in here for a day or two, and it was freezing. I think my heater must have kicked off. So I've got a little space heater right down here by my feet, and uh, I'm going to shiver my way through this. Anyway, I am very grateful to be with you. Um, I I was thinking about the many people that I have been associated with that are in being incarcerated right now. Um, individuals like Todd Engel, Jerry DeLamus, and uh, uh, Greg Burleson, uh, Schaefer Cox, and now recently uh, Rick Kerber. Uh, there's many others as well. Uh, the list could go on. And I certainly don't want to forget any of those, which is the purpose of my uh, my show today. Now, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a while, and that is I'm going to read to you something that I wrote. I was going to paraphrase it, but I just felt that it was too important to share with you the details. And I will say when I first wrote this, I was sitting in solitary confinement myself. Now, since then, I've revised a little bit because, you know, to be able to just share with you or share my view now. Uh, but most of the words are the same. And uh, with that being said, I hope uh, you can listen and understand what I'm saying because it is extremely important. There are people that are incarcerated in this system uh, who are innocent, many, many people. And there are those who are incarcerated who do not deserve even close to what they're getting. And then there's the rare uh, individual who deserves more than what they've been given. Uh, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying. So here I go. So many uh, men and women in the prisons are forgotten about and spend years without a, any care from anyone on the outside. Many are unjustly held, and they have no voice, no rally call, no one to say what is happening to them. No one to say that what is happening to them is not right. They live their lives thinking that no one cares and that they are alone. But my words today are for the forgotten, for those who have had to live with the injustice of this wicked system without hope from any chance of correction. For those that are innocent and for those that know they have done wrong but are being not being allowed to make it right. For those that stole a dollar and are being punished like a bank robber. My voice is for the many wives, husbands, children, and loved ones that have had their love ripped from them and their lives turned upside down. Those that have experienced the wrath of the system and know that it is anything from just. These words are for you. And I know your pain. My family, friends know your pain. We see it now. And we must consider things that we have not considered before. I spent many months in the hole, in solitary confinement, 
I was completely isolated from any human interaction for hundreds of days. Guards restricted any call to my wife, Lisa, and my children, or any calls to those who supported us. Only calls to my attorney were allowed at times. No, how ma no matter how much these connected to, law to the law enforcement tried to convince me otherwise, it is clear that this system of incarceration and what these people are doing is wicked. To treat people this way is not right, and each person makes their own choices. Each person chooses to work where they work, to act the way they act, and to say what they say. Of course, the uppers in power will also be accountable. Each person makes individual decisions, and each will be held accountable to those choices. You and I and them. Each of us own our own selves, and each of us owns our own decision. Never have I harbored hate for anyone. I do not intend to begin today, and I hope that all listening will do the same. This message is not about hate or revenge or uh, about any of that. It is about light and casting the light on the darkness. I've said many times that sunlight is the best disinfectant, and I truly believe that. And the wickedness in these prisons is deep, and it needs the light. And I know that our Heavenly Father did not send his children to this beautiful earth to be chained and caged by other men. This system is very wicked. I feel it very strongly each time I remember the inequality of the guards towards the men and women in their captivity. Each time I ponder on a young man or old man or anyone in between being chained up and led around like a monster. It is so very, very wrong. God is not happy with this. And he will continue to vex this nation for it if we do not correct it, if we do not change this wicked thing. He did not send us here to be incarcerated by each other. I cannot express to you enough how sure I am of the Lord's unhappiness with treating each other this way. It is so very unnatural. So many families torn apart. So many lives hindered. Yes, some will recover, but for most, prison is the worst thing that could be done for them. By the time they get out, they are either broken or hardened. Very few are changed in the right way. And how could they be when the system, the law, does not allow them to repent? In fact, the law makes it illegal and almost impossible for them to truly become whole from their mistakes. This is the reason why there are so many reoffenders. To incarcerate a man only demoralizes him, and he will react in resentment, either quietly or openly. Incarceration is not rehabilitation, and it is not correction. To correct, one must be able to do all he can to make his wrongs right. He must restore his victim of the damages. Through the, process of, of, through the process of restitution, the, the perpetrator will learn the damage he caused by his actions. 
he will uh, learn what the victim felt by his actions and also learn how hard it is to earn what the victim lost. Through restitution, not incarceration, the perpetrator has the best chance of acknowledging the wrong in his actions, the greatest opportunity to learn how his actions affected others, and the ability to correct the wrong as right as he can, and then be motivated to do it no more. But, but by blocking him up for many years or decades, it stops this process. It actually makes it impossible for rehabilitation, correction, and repentance to occur. Not to mention all the other damaging effects that incarceration has on the soul and body. Sure, surely we do not believe that by forcing someone into a cage for years while treating him like an animal, he will then have the desire and ability to change for the better. One cannot force another to be good. The changing of a heart can only be done from within. The individual must choose to change themselves. That is key. No power or influence can or ought to be, can or ought to be maintained to force a person to change their heart only by a sincere effort to persuade, by long-suffering, by kindness and pure knowledge, without hypocrisy and without guile, correcting with clarity, and then showing an increase of love towards him. Through this process, the person will see that those trying to correct are not his enemies. And then he may, may, he may choose to change his own heart. But no one can force a person to, cho to change their own heart. It must come from within. No system of incarceration will effectively foster a change of heart. A system of restitution based upon Christian principles will. So did you know that the Bureau of Prison was not established until 1930? Yeah. So ask yourself, what did we do in this country for the first 160 years? What did we do? I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes. Uh, break this down of what we did. And it's probably a lot different than what you thought we did after these messages. So we're coming back to you from the uh, on the Liberty Effect. Uh, before the break, I asked a question. Uh, did you know that the Bureau of Prisons was not established until 1930? So what did we do in this country for the first 160 years? Well, in the beginning, we did what the Bible teaches us to do. We did not imprison millions of people for years. No, we did not. In fact, we didn't even have the prisons to even do that. We had little jails scattered around the country all over, but there was no Bureau of Prisons until 1930. And so we, what we did, we had speedy trials, and those convicted were required to restore the damages to the victim. 
and the law ensured that the perpetrator restored the damages to the victim. Also, the death penalty was not feared to be used on those who committed heinous crimes, and the jury gave the final word. So why have we turned our backs on the principles of the Bible? Why are we now incarcerating more than three times the amount that China incarcerates, or Russia? There is one reason and one reason only. Our penal system of incarceration is very, very lucrative. It creates lots of jobs and lots of power and wealth for the few and the elect. The American people in general have lost their faith and courage and will almost believe anything or pay any amount when it comes to safety. It has been an easy sell. Those that benefit from the billions spent on arresting, trying, and incarcerating their fellow man keep telling the public, quote, we need more money to keep you safe. Society is getting worse and worse. We have to arrest and punish more and more, unquote. When in reality, systems of incarceration have never worked, never worked to better society, and they never will. This system is not designed to succeed. It is not designed to keep the public safe, only to rob them. And in return, it creates the very problem the people pay so dearly to eliminate, more criminals and more crime. My friends, it may seem that I'm upset or concerned intensely about these matters. And I have to say I am. Of course, uh, I'm not upset with you, but I am upset about the wickedness of a person and a people that would choose gain over the welfare of their fellow man and over the welfare of their country. This is why I will not, not excuse each person that has chosen to be a part of it. They could, how could they make their lives ambition knowing that something is so wrong? that it does not work? How can they be silent and not push to correct, to make aware, to truly serve and protect their brothers and sisters? When I ask these questions to those working in the system, their response almost always comes down to this. Quote, I do not want to lose my job. Unquote. I hear them say, I know the system is broken but I have a mortgage to pay. And my response is to take liberty, freedom from your brother to pay your mortgage and not disclose the lie to the people footing the bill is wickedness. How could it be anything else? When I see a man who has not held or laid eyes on his wife and children for years, be escorted in chains by other men to a little room with a video monitor knowing that his wife and children are on the other side of the wall, but he cannot be with them, hold them, or kiss them. When I see his captor, captors acting like this is normal, just a job, even as if they are being benevolent, it makes me want to shake them, to wake them up, to shout, can't you see what you're doing to your fellow man? When I think of that man and his loved ones and their pain, when I think of the victim who will never get paid, uh, paid back, but the officers 
the prosecutors, the judges, the jailers, and all who will continue to gain so much from his incarceration and his apart from his family and his family's pain, when I contemplate on these things, it brings me to sorrow. It is so wicked. Most of these men and women should not be in there. They should be home with their families and loved ones. If convicted of a true crime by a jury, then they should be working out the damages they have caused to another person. The law should require and administrate the restitution process, and once the victim is restored the damages, then both should be free to live and move on. Probation and tagging someone as a felon for life, cause, causing him to be literally a third-class citizen in his own country, has proven to be counterproductive and as wicked as well. Imagine, as a felon, getting pulled over for a simple traffic violation, and you are forcefully met with multiple amped-up officers pointing guns at you and your family's faces. Or imagine trying to provide for your family to get a job with a felony record or trying to defend and protect your family with a butter knife. And if you're seen with a butter knife, the officer will shoot you on the spot. Did you know that if you are a person with a felony on your record, you can't legally wear a protective vest? Yes, it is true. If a person with a felony on the record is caught wearing a protective vest, he faces years in prison, the same as possessing a gun. A person with a felony on their record is stripped of their inalienable right to protect and defend themselves and their family. And they have to deal with this the rest of their lives. In many cases, they can't even vote to change it. Think about that. Think about this. What if a person with a felony on his record knew that if he kept it clean, he kept clean for a period of time, like five years or so, and then could have his record cleared, wouldn't that motivate him to be good? Of course it would. But to keep him down, tagging him as a lifetime criminal, never freeing him, causes him to lose hope of a better life. What about our Christian values? What about the doctrine to go in peace and sin no more? It is wickedness for our society to never forgive. It is wicked to never allow a person to be free from his mistakes. This type of wickedness always comes back on a people, just like it is coming back on us now. My friends, I will not say the I, I do not say these things in ignorance. I have lived on the inside. Most of these men and women in there are not what we have been led to believe. They simply are not. We taxpayers are being exploited by a system of incarceration that is a complete failure and our liberties because of it are being threatened. Let me uh, throw a few statistics at you. These are calculated from the New York Almanac of Records. I'll get into these a little bit and then we'll have to go to break, but I want to start out here. Now these were taken uh, from actually a 2009 Almanac. It was all I had available when I was incarcerated. Listen to these statistics. 
In the United States, five out of every hundred people will be arrested today. One out of every 104 U.S. residents are behind bars. One out of every 32 adults are under correctional supervision. Imagine that. One out of every 32 adults. Five out of every 100 people will be arrested today. One out of every 104 U.S. residents are behind bars. 68% of those who have gone to prison are rearrested in three years. Let's take a break. with you on the Liberty Effect. Um, I was reading you statistics uh, from the uh, New York Times on the Mac of Records, and these are statistics in the United States. Uh, coming down through here, 68% of those who have gone to prison are rearrested in three years. 52% are back in prison within three years. It costs an average of $80 per day to incarcerate one person in the United States. $80 per day. I remember when you could take $5 a day for lunch, right? Thought that was good. Imagine $80 a day. Going on, in the United States, U.S. taxpayers paid out $65 billion for adult prison facilities in 2005. The cost of prisons in the U.S. has increased over 1,400% since 1980. Operating costs surged from $3.1 billion in 1980 to $31.4 billion in 2000. Now listen to this one. A citizen in communist China is 12 times less likely to go to prison than a citizen of the United States. That is correct. A citizen in communist China is 12 times less likely to go to prison than a citizen of the United States. Imagine having a business where if you wanted to increase your income, all you had to do was tell your security guards to, do, to drag people off the streets and force them to be your inventory. Then imagine doing this at a rate of 1,400% increase in just a few years. I've been involved in a few good businesses over the past several years, but nothing with returns such as these. It is beginning to make sense to me why places like where I was held for over a year or for about a year and a half, Civil Corps of, of America, and that was a prison that I spent so much time in solitary confinement in, it, be, it helps you understand why they count their prisoners every other hour. If the inventory gets a little low, all they have to do is make a call to the U.S. Marshals and the judge will send a fully loaded bus of men and women in chains to their facility. My friends, this is the very opposite of freedom. A man in America 
has a 1 in 10 chance of going to prison in his lifetime. My father, brothers, and friends, and myself were, in those, were those men. We have hurt nobody, threatened nobody. We did not steal, cheat, or abuse. We had no victims. We have only led lives of peace and have tried to love and help our fellow man and serve God. Yet there we sat for over 700 days. The entire time we were not allowed to hold our wives or our babies. My four-year-old is now six. And actually, I have to revise this. She's now eight. <laughs> but at the time, my four-year-old was now six. My nine-year-old was 11 when I got out. My 10-year-old was 12. And my baby, who only knew me at the time by my voice over the phone, was three years old when I came home. We missed nearly all of our children's birthdays twice. For approximately 700 days, most of us waited for trial. We, didn't, we, we, we couldn't even get to trial. Um, the cost that was uh, estimated, that was budgeted for our case, was $100 million. My friends, this is not about punishing people for doing something wrong. It is certainly not about correction or rehabilitation. This system is a powerful bureaucratic jobs program designed to funnel billions of taxpayers' hard-earned money into the pockets of government employees such as judges, prosecutors, jailers, officers, and the marshals, the FBI, and so on. This system is designed as a necessity for peace, or disguise, sorry. This system is disguised as a necessity for peace and safety, when in reality, it is one of the primary causes for increased crime in America and continues to plummet us into extreme debt. Incarceration is not the solution for crime or correction. It never has been and never will be. The heads of these bureaucratic agencies understand this, but to change it is too painful. It's too painful for them, and they simply have no motivation to diminish their own power. Why would they diminish their own influence or diminish their income? None the same. The solution has proven in history and justified by time and nature that it is still the same. It is a penal system based – let me correct that. The solution, as proven in history and justified by time and nature, is still the same. It is a penal system based upon Christian principles of restitution to the victim. I will finish now by reading God's law and how he instructed us to administer law or administer justice. Please listen closely as I read Exodus. I am the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie or bear false witness against your neighbor. Thou shalt not want your neighbor's house, nor anything that is your neighbor's. He that is, he that smiteth a man, so that he die, shall be surely put to death. If a man be found stealing any of his brethren, and make merchandise of him, or sell him, then that thief shall die. And thou shalt put evil away from among you. If a man, if one man smite another with a stone or with his fist, and he die not, but keep in his bed, then shall he, then shall he that smote him pay for the loss of his time, and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. If a man steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief be found breaking in, he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be put into servitude for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand, he shall restore double. If a man cause his beast to eat another man's field or vineyard, then the beast of his own field or vineyard shall make restitution. If a fire break out and caught in another man's property, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution for all manner of trespasses, for any manner of lost thing, which another challenged to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges and whom the judge shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. My friends, the majesty of God's law is a system of restitution, not incarceration. The best way is God's way. Now, I hope I could, through these words, through reading these things that were written in a time where it was very clear to me, and uh, actually in many ways it's even more clear to me today, I hope you can see that our system today is not a system that repels criminals. It is not a system that discourages them. In fact, it is a system that creates another crime, and that is making merchandise off your brother. Now, so what is the right way? What is the right way? I, I hope you can see it in here. It is not a system of incarceration. It is a system of restitution as outlined uh, in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. It is a system where if a man commits a crime— which means he creates a victim, then he is required by the law to restore that victim as damages. And for heinous crimes, his life is required. And that, my friends, is the system that will discourage crime, bring peace, and keep us from paying so much <laughs> in this frivolous act, which we call our penal system. Let's go to break, and uh, we can talk a little bit at a different time. Thank you.
So thank you. Uh, we are on the last segment here on the Liberty Effect. Um, I uh, I pray that uh, these words mean something to you. I, I I hope they click to you as they have with me. Um, that our entire penal system, our entire you know what we call our justice system, um, it has been flipped upside down. And it has been flipped upside down to become a system of incarceration rather than a system of restitution. And and why? Well, it's very simple because systems of restitution are not lucrative for those in government positions, for government officials. It is not lucrative. In fact, it actually costs them because it basically only focuses on restoring the victim, their damages, and forcing the perpetrator who's been found guilty by a jury by forcing that individual to pay back the victim. And so there's no way for the government or government officials to capitalize on that. But systems of incarceration are. Uh, they're, 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 they're clear full of opportunities to capitalize on incarceration and capitalize on on a system of a penal system uh, that basically extorts uh, people into giving up more and more money to pay for incarceration. Not only that, uh, you know, I cannot tell you how many thousands of dollars was spent at, at a time when it was extremely difficult to just communicate with my wife. And family. And I so desperately wanted to hang on to my relationships with my children and my wife. But it was so expensive to just call. Well, somebody, you know, as we know, in many cases, like a senator, a group of senators or uh, bureaucrats in some way will create a company. And guess what that company does? They provide security phone calls for inmates. And they charge hundreds of hundreds of dollars for each inmate to communicate with their families. I mean, I mean, communication now is actually fairly inexpensive, but but there you still have to pick up an old uh, like an old payphone, and you have to hang on to that thing, and you can barely hear half the time, and you're surrounded by you know a whole bunch of other inmates, and you can barely communicate with your family, and yet you're paying, you know, I don't know how much a minute, but many dollars a minute. Let's just say that I know we spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And the other thing is just to have the amenities that you need to be able to, you know, function uh, in there costs, you know, to put money on what they call our books or on commissary to buy writing materials so that you can write, so that you can communicate with your attorneys, with your loved ones, so that you can buy stamps, so that you can buy pencils and paper. They are overinflated. I don't know, you know, 200, 300 times. I, I really don't know, but I know that it's, it's, it's astronomical. And each in every item that is allowed in the prison system, somebody is capitalizing on. Somebody is, um, I believe there was a company called Unicor 
and 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 I know that it provided like tables and chairs for prison systems, uh, and it was uh, basically a normal like a plastic table that you'd go to Costco and buy for like fifteen or twenty bucks. They were charging like a hundred and fifty dollars for. And how do I know this? Because inmates will actually do the billing for Unicor, right? And this Unicor was owned by senators. So, I mean, it's not just about incarcerating the, and the pain and the, I mean, the horrible effects. It's also that and, – and the amount of money that people pay for the prison systems – but it's also about all these other things. It literally has become a system to create a tremendous amount of wealth, power, and influence for a small group of people for the elites. And in return, the American people get just opposite of what they're paying for because systems of incarceration do not work. It is only a system of restitution. If I stole someone's vehicle – and I got caught, and I had to pay that person back the vehicle plus two times what it was worth, and the law made me go work to do that, I would think twice. I would probably, you know, I, I don't think I'd do it in the first place, but I'm certain I wouldn't. But, but imagine, imagine that thought process and that type of system. But the problem is government officials – can't make money on that type of system because it is restoring the victim back their damages and the perpetrator, the criminal, is the one doing it. And the government is just the facilitator, just the force to make sure that the perpetrator pays the criminal back. Uh, we are seriously in crisis because of things like this and our system of government if you will continues to decline and more and more people uh, have less and less confidence in government um, because of these things because almost every aspect of our governments both local state and federal have been turned to benefit the the uh, those working in it uh, you know, the police officers, the, um, the judges, the, uh, the bureaucrats, all the government employees, the full-time government employees, part-time government employees, you know, the, uh, the uh, politicians. It literally is designed, has flipped upside down from, from being designed to protect the people's rights, the individual's rights, to completely forgetting about those and 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 the system is being used to benefit those in government and it is something that cannot stand it cannot stand financially it can cannot stand uh and still maintain the confidence of the people and when the confidence of the people is lost in their government there is no government People will refuse to be governed by those who they do not have trust for and who they do not believe is doing what they're doing for the right reason. Um, that is just the way it is. So we are facing that now, and we have to ask ourselves, what can we do to correct it? Can we restore in this incident a system of restitution, a penal system of restitution? Can we restore it? 
I'm not sure we can. There is no evidence in history where uh, people who have gone down the road this far has been able to restore itself. There is no ev evidence of that. There always has to be a, a, a breaking down, a collapse, and then a building back up. And I hate to see I hate to see that happen. I do know that if we if there was ever a people uh, that could restore, it would be us. But I I personally do not believe that it can be restored because I do not believe that these people who are living off this system and have found so much wealth, power, and influence off this system, I do not believe that they will let go of it without it being torn from their hands and or without it just being absolutely not available to them. And so for that, I believe that there has to be a unity of people that refuse to comply, that refuse to participate. I believe they have to unite together strong enough uh, that they can protect each other while they're refusing to comply, while they're refusing to participate in these wickedness, this wicked process. Um, and I believe that, that that would be what, in a sense, will restore the Constitution, at least the constitutional principles. Because I believe those people, a righteous people, a moral people, um, I'm not saying not a perfect people, but I believe those people united together could actually live the principles of freedom and many found in the Constitution, I believe those can be, uh, those could restore or basically live as a free people uh, more the way I believe God intended us to, to be free, to have a free conscience, to, uh, to love each other, to take care of each other, and to primarily have peace and happiness uh, with each other. And those are my thoughts. I thank you for your time. Remember, systems of incarceration never have worked. Systems of restitution do. Thank you. Thank you.